Welcome to the Runners Connect Run to the Top podcast, where it's all about learning from the best minds in the sport so you can train smarter, stay healthy, and run faster now. And now your host, Tina Muir. Hello, this is Tina Muir. Thank you so much for being here with me today for the Runners Connect Run to the Top podcast. I truly appreciate you taking the time to check in. Have you ever had one of those moments where you truly believe your life had prepared you for? You were so ready to race, so ready for that opportunity to take it on, and you couldn't even imagine a scenario where it doesn't happen. But then, of course, it doesn't happen. And in that moment, your world crumbles before your eyes. It seems like the worst thing in the world. However, like that well-known phrase, when one door closes, another better door opens. And that's usually what happens. And it definitely happened for my guest today. It allowed her to become an Olympian in 2004. You've probably heard of my guest, and if you have not yet, I'm sure you'll be following her after today. She's so down to earth, so fun loving, and just so real. I am very excited for you to meet Carrie Tollefson. Carrie is a five-time NCAA champion, three-time national champion. She represented the USA in the 2004 Olympics at the 1500. In 2006, she was voted the fourth most beautiful athlete in the world by Sports Illustrated. She's a global Reebok ambassador, ESPN2 analyst, and has done media coverage for New York Roadrunners, as well as commentating several national events. Today, Carrie and I are going to talk about why you need to be open-minded to see that your biggest setbacks can often lead to your greatest achievements, what it was like to represent the US in the Olympics, and why taking on a completely new challenge could be just what you need when returning from a big injury, or in her case, pregnancy. And finally, how running a marathon helped her to be a better commentator. Are you ready to meet Carrie? I bet you are. Let's go. Welcome to the Run to the Top podcast, Carrie. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you on. I've been thinking about uh, reaching out to you for a while, so it's nice to have actually done it this time. Yeah. <laughs> so well, I, I love your interviews, so it's fun to finally be one. Oh, thank you so much. That's so nice to hear, especially from you. <laughs> and you're the uh, you're the queen of interviewing, so I should. Uh, uh, that's a huge compliment for me to hear. <laughs> well, I'm trying, but you know, as you know, it's not an easy world. So no. I'm, I'm definitely trying to uh, get my my life off of the track going and it's been fun to stay in the sport some way. Yeah, well, I, I, I definitely see it and I'm sure the listeners kind of see too how, how well you've been doing with that. So, but let's just kind of start with um, where you began with uh, your running and, um, you know, most people who have heard of you will probably, if they haven't seen See Tolly Run, will be uh, knowing you from being an Olympian. So could you just kind of describe your experience in the 2004 Olympics, what that was like just running there? Yeah, I mean, it's still, I actually just had a radio interview this morning, and uh, I'm being inducted in the Minnesota State Hall of Fame. So, yeah, I feel like now I'm getting old because I'm getting inducted into, you know, Hall of Fames, and it's such an honor and so much fun for me to sort of reflect back on high school career, college career, and professional career. And I'm not quite sure I'm done, but um, to still talk about the Olympic Games, it's still, like, really, like, I know I made it, and I know I ran there and all that, but... For the rest of my life, I get to call myself that. And I just went out and spoke at Zap Fitness, an adult running camp. And I said, you know, that was one of those moments in my life that wasn't necessarily maybe planned out that I was going to be an Olympian in the 1500 meters. You know, I just run 1504 in the 5K. 
And, um, you know, I thought that was the event I'd be going to the Olympics in. And I didn't make the team. And I came back and surprised everyone and myself and made the team in the 1500. And I, I was, when I was telling the story, I th- said to myself, I was like, those are those moments in life that you just have to go for it. And was I supposed to be there in that event? I guess now I was, but at, at the same time, I think maybe not, but I took advantage of the moment. And I'm really thankful I did because it did change my life. Being an Olympian has opened so many doors for me and I'm very thankful and I'm really honored to be able to call myself a U.S. Olympian. Yeah, no, I'm, and I'm sure it is. And that's that's a great story, I think, especially as you mentioned, you know, you thought it was in the 5K and that's, you know, usually how our running lives go. We, you know, we have this this race and we think this is going to be the one and then you you almost I mean I've had a, an experience where um I ran a marathon and I was so convinced I was going to run a certain time that when it didn't happen I was like no but it did happen I know it happened but it, it didn't but then yeah. you know it always leads to greater things because you it opens up new doors and you know right. that's great that you were able to transition your focus even that wasn't where you wanted it you got it somewhere else and it ended up being even better so I think that's a great thing for other people to learn from yeah I think people have to understand that we're tough (laughs) and we have our mind is so powerful and you know I could have gone into that race thinking I am not a favorite I've only run 408 406 I guess um and I still have only run 406 I've run it about 10 times but um (laughs) You know, clearly, I was not a four-minute girl. I was not someone that could close in in 56 seconds if I had to. You know, I could close in a 59 or 60, um, but, you know, I was just kind of knocking at the door of being a good 1,500-meter runner. But at the end of the day, I'm an Olympian, and doesn't matter what event. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, definitely. you know, it was, it was fun, and um, I just wish people would understand that you have to take what's given to you and go for it sometimes. And I'm really, really proud of myself for that moment because I, I led from start to finish in a race. My coach, Dennis Barker, who you just interviewed, um, clearly was not happy about. That was not the plan, but you deal with it and you roll with it. And I'm thankful I did. Yeah, and I just wanted to kind of clarify when you say that, you you mean everyone here. She's not just saying because, you know, she's an elite, she's tough. Or, or like, no. You're saying anyone can go after what they anyone I mean we are all such powerful individuals Mm -hmm. and I've learned that in many different areas but for I'd say a lot of my life lessons I've learned on the track and I think that it's been really important for me to share that with people of all abilities in any direction they take in life not just in running I Mm -hmm. mean I just think we don't really realize how tough we are until we're in those situations Mm -hmm. and um, I'm thankful I've had those situations through running to be able to tell me now and show me now as a, an adult and as a mom and sister, friend, wife, whatever it may be, that we can handle a lot of stuff thrown at us. Yeah, yeah. Great advice there. So let's, you, you mentioned your coach, uh, Dennis Barker, and we did have him on the Run to the Top podcast a few months ago. Um, and he, but I just wanted to kind of ask you, he talked about how it was an advantage being from Minnesota and you know <laughs> having to deal with the weather conditions. And I just was curious, is that kind of how you see things as well? Like it makes you tough? Well, I think it does make you tough, but Dennis and I are true Minnesotans all the way. Um, so no matter what, we're going to say this is the state to be from. But um, I do think, you know, you look at the milers and the runners right now that are currently competing, and a lot of them have roots from Minnesota. And 
Um, you know, there's a lot of states that can say that, that they have a lot of really good athletes. But when you just look at the the pedigree and, and the talent that has come out of this state, I think there is something to do with why would you train through the winters here? Um, you know, even the summers are hot and humid and, you know, we, we have four beautiful seasons, but they are tough seasons at times. So I think a lot of that does kind of make you dig deep and check your gut every now and then. And, um, you know, it's, it's sort of fun to be tough through weather elements and, and all of that makes you a well-rounded athlete. So yeah, I agree with Dennis. I think Minnesota is a state to be from. Do you think if you were from somewhere else, you would you would have a different experience, or do you, do you think that like developed in you like a grit almost? Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's what I think. You know, I when I think about it, even just when you asked this question, I remember when I was, I believe I was in ninth or tenth grade, maybe tenth grade, and our our track or our cross country state meet was postponed a week because we had thirty four inches of snow over Halloween, <laughs> and. I didn't have an indoor facility. I grew up in farm country. It was the middle of the farm, you know, farm area. So it was just tons of wind. And my coaches are like, okay, Temple run on the golf course in 34 inches of snow. So, you know, when you're 15, 16 years old and you got to do that, you know, that's not much fun, but it made me pretty tough. And I had an amazing state meet. So Mm -hmm. I just think back of those. I'm not going to say I walked uphill both ways to school, (laughs) but, you know, I did run through 34 inches of snow. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. We had we had many days like that in Michigan as well. We'd be, you know, running next to semi trucks in an industrial yep. park because that was all that was clear. And, you know, it was just crazy. So, yeah, I agree. And have you ever lived outside of Minnesota or have you always been there? So just when I was at school in at Villanova, so I lived in Philly for uh, about six years mm-hmm. because I, I competed there for five years and mm-hmm. then I stayed almost a full year after. Uh, I ended my my eligibility there. So, but I love being on the East Coast as well. And I think there's reasons I was tough for being on the East Coast. So, um, but I, I wanted to move back because my family was here, and because Pat Goodwin and Dennis Barker were starting Team USA Minnesota, mm-hmm. and um, it was important for for me to come back and and to be a part of that. I yeah. thought it was it was fun to carry on the Minnesota legacy. Yeah, and you were a huge part of the team growing, so that that must have been a pretty exciting time for you. But um, while you were at Villanova, which is obviously a, a powerhouse school, and actually uh, one of my best friends, Frances Coons, went there, and she would often, yeah, yep, I don't know if you were at the same time, but <laughs> um, she would often, um, you know, tell me about, you know, how it was um, at, at Villanova. And to me, it was a complete contrast to where I went to school. But um, how was that being surrounded by t- all these talented and hardworking athletes at Villanova? I bet that was quite a um, change for you. It was a huge change for me. I grew up in a town where we were all supportive, but, you know, it's a town of 1,600 people, and we had some very good athletes. We had a number of professional athletes that came out of this little town, Hmm. Um, so I knew what it was like to have support, but I didn't have a team that went and we weren't a part of the state tournament ever as a team, so when I went to Villanova, immediately it was, okay, we're on our, we're, we're competing for our seventh straight NCAA championship in cross country. Um, we have NCAA champions on the team. My coaches were both professional athletes, both of them trying to make another Olympic team. Um, so I was surrounded by greatness and I loved every minute of it. It was hard for me to travel that far away from home, but it was, uh, something that I I really wanted to be a part of where everyone around me sort of held me accountable. Mm -hmm. And, um, I went to change it for the world. I just saw Marcus O'Sullivan, who ended up coaching me the latter part of my career. 
And uh, again, I saw him and immediately I went back to, I want to get out there and run as fast as I possibly can (laughs) with my Villanova jersey on. So it's just something for me that I needed. I needed to have that, that surrounding system that was so, so supportive and so successful because I wanted to be that way. Mm-hmm. And would you say that gave you some, like you learned how to handle pressure in that way that prepared you for the rest of your professional career? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it took me a good while. You know, I came from a state where I hadn't lost a cross country race since, well, I lost my last cross country race as an eighth grader. And so I won every single year at the state meet and at all the other meets. And I did the same in track until I lost my very last meet. Uh, my last race as a senior in the 800 meters. So I dropped down to race an awesome girl and I got beat at the end. And so I had, I won a lot in the mm-hmm. state of Minnesota. When I went to Villanova, I didn't win until <laughs> I was like a junior. Yeah. Um, so I had to learn how to race. I had to learn how to be okay with people doing better than me in workouts. And um, it was a really good learning experience right away, right off the bat. So mm-hmm. I'm very thankful and, and I'm very honored to be able to be called a Villanovan. Mm-hmm. And what advice would you have to maybe listeners out there who have, um, you know, kids that are coming through, uh, you know, the high school or even the middle school level? Uh, now that you have kids yourself, you can kind of, you know, look back on this. But what what encouragement would you give or would you, you know, not tell people to push too hard? Or what would you say to any parents listening out there? Yeah, you know, the big thing for me was when I went on my recruiting trips, I wanted to feel like. I was going from one family to the next. You know, my teammates, even back in Dawson, were my family. Um, I shared a lot of secrets with them and goals with them and dreams with them. And when I went out on my different recruiting trips, I wanted to sort of feel like that. And I did. I naturally felt at home at Villanova. It was a smaller school, which was good for me. Uh, I did have some family friends that lived a little ways from me. I didn't know them until I actually went to school. But, you know, through the grapevine, they became family as well. Um, but the big thing I think for me was my coaches and I wanted to feel comfortable with them. I'm very tight with my family and to go 26 hours away from home was a big deal. And I needed to be able to rely on them like they were family. So that was a big thing. And then going even further and looking at the training philosophy, I liked that Villanova took me from a 30 mile week athlete to a 40 mile week athlete in my first year and not expected me to run 60 miles a week until I was a fifth year senior. Yeah. Uh, I really, they really slowly worked me into it and they saw the fact that they wanted me to be an, an NCAA champion and help their team. But they saw the fact that I could be a professional athlete afterwards. So they really wanted to slowly increase my miles and keep me healthy and, and, you know, hungry for the sport. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So looking, you know, beyond just those four years and looking at you, I guess that kind of shows, you know, looking at you as a person rather than just, you know, a piece of a number on a piece of paper. Exactly. Okay. Yep. Great advice. Um, and then, you know, you, you said that you talked to a uh, Zap Fitness Camp and actually um, I did just miss you by one or two days, <laughs> <Yeah>. I think. <laughs> but, I forgot about that. Yeah, I was there as well. But um I know you, you know, you do a lot of talks right now and you, you know, help to motivate other runners, but um, could you give like maybe a summary or one piece of advice that you'd like to give to runners um, who are listening right now who, you know, did miss out on a camp like that, but they could, they'd love to like learn, you know, your biggest piece of advice you've learned as a runner. Sure. You know, I think I share a lot of my stories that some people think they're not going to relate to. And I think that that's totally 
that's wrong. I mean, they, they might not have as quick of legs as I do, but they still have the same passion and the same goals. And I think now being a mother and working full time and having running sort of be like fifth on my list, I think they like to hear what it was like when I focused totally on running. But I think they really like to hear now how I juggle it, how I get motivated, you know, when I'm tired and having you know, now my third baby, like, how do you do it all? And so I try to share that, but I also show them my race from the Olympic trials and talk about that roller coaster ride of emotions and how to pick yourself back up from not so much failure. I sort of hate that word, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, you know, missing out on a great opportunity of running and having to sort of come back and, and prove myself and to a lot of other people that I belonged on that team. Um, so I, I do share that, but I also, my favorite saying is get after it. And so I just sort of share with whatever, whatever group I'm talking to, whether it's a corporation or runners or Girl Scouts or whatever it is, you know, get after it is a pretty fun saying for anyone. And I try to tell them to get after life. And it's not just about running fast on the track or on the roads or in cross country. It's, it's about what we do with our life. So I really try to get people fired up about finding some kind of passion in life and going mm-hmm. for it. And where did that come from? They get after it. Like what, what started that or, cause that's kind of, you know, I think I've just always said it. Um, and my sister actually was the one that helped me get my running camp going. And she, that was like, let's do get after it or gotta get it going, which is what Katie McGregor and I always say when we're getting ready for a workout. And, um, and get after it was an easy look, you yeah, know, thing oh, to put yeah. on t-shirt. So we use that one. But, um, I think that that's just, like I said, something that I always have sort of thought of in my mind, like, okay, let's get after it now. It's so, something you can use you know, as a mantra be- as well. Very short, quick yeah. to say, huh? Interesting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you have a, a story that you'd like to share with us of someone, you know, maybe you've talked to over the years who did get after it and, you know, just that really stuck with you? Oh, uh, it's so fun to go around now and speak to different groups, but also to be at the different races and hear people that have said, you know, I watched your show and started running or I saw you on TV and, um, you know, I don't have one in particular, but I think that everyone has their own journey and everyone has their own story. And I love hearing every single one of them. I mean, it's, it's really been fun for me to hear that somebody broke 10 minutes for the mile. You know, I've had a couple athletes at my camp that, now we'll write back and say, Carrie, after camp, we've had the best season already or whatever. And that's what I love with this sport is that it doesn't matter, you know, really how fast you are. It's fun to be Mm -hmm. fast. But I think that at the end of the day, if you can set a PR or you've had one of your best races ever and you get that feeling that we all know, that's what it's all about. And so I love every single story that I've heard. Mm -hmm. And then just kind of related to that, do you have uh, any advice for someone who it's just getting into running, you know, they're just starting to feel the benefits, but they haven't had that moment that you're talking about yet. Like just to keep going, you're almost there. Yes. Well, I always tell everyone, give it three weeks just to like get into the sport, like just jog or walk, jog, whatever, maybe for three weeks. And then after that three weeks is up, give it another three weeks because it's the six week mark. No matter if you're coming back from an injury or you've never run a step, I feel like at six weeks, you're kind of like, I'm a runner, you know, like I can handle going out for a couple miles or I can go for four miles or whatever the distance is. But at six weeks, there's some kind of change that happens. And I know it. And I think a lot of other people know, you know, when you really think about it, that's that moment where you're like, okay, Mm -hmm. now it's time to really get Mm -hmm. going and Mm -hmm. get after it. So that's what I like to tell people. 
put your shoes on, put your running clothes on. You'll get out the door eventually because you'll feel really bad if you don't take them yeah. off. <laughs> <laughs> but give it that first three weeks and then start another three-week cycle and you'll be you'll be off running like crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Good advice. Good advice. So I just wanted to kind of, well, I want to talk about your pregnancies in a minute just because uh, I think that's something that people will find really enlightening. But um, before I get into that, I kind of wanted to ask you a bit about um, how was the transition point when you kind of realized that like your fastest days were over? Like, did you suffer like a loss of identity or did you just straight away kind of slip into what you're doing now? Yeah, you know, I've always done a little bit of media work. Um, even when I first graduated from Villanova, I sort of got into it just by chance by kind of telling the reporters that would interview me, like, if you ever need any help with this, keep me in mind. Cause I was, you know, scared of an injury or scared of something that took me away from the sport. So I always was trying to figure out what will I do if something was taken, if running was taken away from me. And so I, I did that early on and I'm kind of forgetting the question <laughs> about a loss of identity. Oh gosh. Okay. <laughs> Take that out. Uh, yes. The loss of identity. So I got, I kept in, you know, I kept going with my TV and my webcast things, but in 2009, after I had two stress fractures at the national meet and I had to drop out of my first nationals, mm-hmm. I thought, okay, I have put off having babies for so long that I tried, I wanted to come home and try to have a baby. And it was after Ruby where I thought, am I done? with this. And it was hard for me. It was really hard. How old were you at this age? I was 33 when I had Ruby. Okay. Okay. And I was, it was hard for me to figure out who I was. Um, I missed that attention of an elite athlete, to be very honest. I miss going to Mm -hmm. meets and, you know, having all of everything taken care of for you. I still get a little bit of that. Um, but I, I'm now learning the ropes of how hard it is to get yourself to the start line and get your bag there and do all that fun stuff. Um, so I, I wouldn't say I've lost my identity as a runner, but I've lost the identity of being an elite athlete going to the start line. And I do miss it a lot, but I'm not, I'm not missing the hard, hard training and, you know, rising up to every occasion that, that part has been kind of nice to sort of let kind of sink away. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm dealing okay. I'm still not really 100% sure I'm retired. And I don't know if any elite athlete can ever say that. Yeah. We always want to go back to those days and think that we can still run 430 for the mile. And, you know, that probably isn't happening again. Well, it's like like Rocky Balboa, you know. You have to to bring that in as Philly, you know. If you've got that Philly tie, you understand. Uh, Rocky Balboa always wants that one more fight. Yeah, and that's (laughs) the thing. Like, somebody did just say, you know, so you're retired now. And I said, no, I have never said that. And there's a whole new game out there. There's the Masters division now coming Mm -hmm. up in a a year and a half for me. And um, so I don't know if I'm done, but at the same time, it was a wild, fun ride if it is over. So I wouldn't change it for the world. So you, you kind of, it was, it was having children that ultimately kind of decided that you wanted to put running further down on your list. And, um, so did you run through your pregnancies? I mean, how has it changed from the first to now? Yeah. You know, I ran really hard through Ruby. Um, and especially not, not so much that I run outside really hard, but I was on the underwater treadmill. Um, but I ran physically outside up until the day that I gave birth to Ruby. Um, with Everett, I did the same. I ran 
up until I gave birth, but I didn't run quite as hard just because I couldn't get to the underwater treadmill. So I did some elliptical work and other, I spent a lot of time in the gym. And this pregnancy, I'm still running a lot, but it's been so nice out that I've been slacking on getting in the gym. So now I think once it gets a little cooler, I'll get in the gym and and do my strength training, um, hopefully throughout. But, you know, every pregnancy has been different. But I think that um, with Ruby, I really had thoughts of coming back and trying to make the 2012 team. Um, But once I had her, I just didn't have it in me to do the second runs. You know, Charlie would go walk in the door, my husband, and I'd hand off this baby and I thought, I'm not going to go. I want to see Charlie interact with her. And mm-hmm. so it just, it wasn't in my heart to do it. And I tried to fake my way through it and I ran like 1620 <laughs> and it wasn't going to get me to the trials. So I knew why I didn't make the trials, but, um, deep down I sort of thought, well, maybe I'll just get lucky and get there and surprise myself. So yeah. Ruby was the one that I really gave it a go with, but with Everett and this one, I'm sort of just, I don't have that frame of mind. I'm just sort of trying to stay really fit and healthy for the baby. Mm-hmm. And so what advice would you give to um, a runner who, you know, maybe in the, they, they've, they you know, just found out they're pregnant or they, um, you know, they're a little ways along, but they, you know, they're thinking, should I run? Should I not run? Do you have any advice on how to kind of listen to your body when it comes to that? Yeah, you know, I think one of my, my secrets has been that, I've cut my mileage back probably to about a third or two thirds about of what I normally train at. So the first five months I run probably two thirds of what I would normally run. And then that last five months I run about a third of my normal mileage. So I really have enjoyed doing, you know, shorter, shorter runs, but then I get in the weight room and do a little bit more in the weight room. Um, people, you know, that I've chatted with really they like to see if they can keep up the same kind of mileage and it's not as much fun for them as from the girls that I've talked to. Uh, so I think that for me, I've enjoyed getting out for three to five mile runs and then going in and lifting for 20 to 30 minutes and being able to do that the entire pregnancy rather than having to stop at six months. Mm -hmm. Um, so if you can't do a 10 mile run, don't give up on your running altogether. Maybe go for 20 to 30 minutes and do that four or five times a week and, and enjoy it while you're out there because then it'll it'll help you get back faster, I believe. Yeah, good advice. And you would say, you kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier, but uh, with regards to when Charlie would come home, but once you did have, you know, uh, Ruby and, um, sorry, Everett. I the name. Everett, that's what I thought it was. <laughs> um, did you... Did you kind of, uh, when it came to going for your runs and returning after the pregnancies, you ultimately decided, you know, you'd rather have moments and not miss out on things with them than, you know, rush back and be like, all right, well, see ya, I'm going out for three hours. Yeah, I would run pretty hard on the runs in the morning because I could handle it for some reason. If I got up and saw them and had breakfast with them, I could handle going for an hour workout and I would get a lot done in that hour or hour and a half. Mm -hmm. But it was just that the adding that extra mileage that I needed. Um, I wasn't willing to do like a 12 mile or 13 mile workout and, you know, train that way in the morning. I needed to do the shorter stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, at the end of the day, it was about the extra things that I was letting slip. And those extra things are important when you're at our level. So yeah. that just, that just kind of showed me that I wasn't focused and I wasn't dedicated at, as an elite athlete anymore. I was just sort of getting it done. Um, mm-hmm. 
if you looked at my training, you'd think it was pretty good, but it just was lacking. You know, I was running like 30 miles, 30, 40 mile weeks. So Mm -hmm. it just wasn't enough to run 15, 25 or whatever the standard was at that time to get to the Olympic trials. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I understand that. Actually, that's funny. You mentioned that I did actually, um, write on my blog a few weeks ago about the same kind of thing, um, about how, you know, when you are so highly tuned in to what's going on, and this isn't just for elites, but anyone who really does all those little extra things that you talk about when they're not in there, like when I got married, um, you know, I kind of just, I just, I had all my family there and I, I did my runs, like you said, got it done, but I noticed a week was fine but two three weeks later I noticed I just just didn't feel as good if things felt a little more stiff and I felt uh, just struggled a bit more and I think yeah you're right that um it's okay to have that time but when you do get to that point just accept that you know maybe you're not going to be quite in PR shape all the time and things are going to need you know time to readjust because your body is used to all those little extra things that you do for it I, and I, I totally agree with that and I think one of the big things for me was I remember one of my last races was at the Portland Track Classic and I went out there with some of my girlfriends and we were had we had really a lot of fun but I remember laying there that day when I was like doing my pre-race nap or whatever thinking my husband and my my one-year-old are back home and I'm out here having fun with my girlfriends, getting ready to race. And I couldn't wrap my brain around leaving Ruby to go run a race. Now I have to leave Ruby and Everett to go and work. But, you know, it just was different for me. And I give so many women that are racing props for doing it because it's not that they're leaving their kids. It's not about that. But for me, I couldn't get over that. And Mm -hmm. I think now after having two, I might be better at racing because, they have someone to play with and I know they'll be fine. But at that moment with my first child, it was tough for me to do that. And I would just wanted to be home with my family. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. yeah, you cannot, you can't do it. You can't go half ways. You know, I was trying to go half ways. Yeah. Yeah. Can't burn the candle at both ends. Exactly. Okay, good. And then just uh, out of curiosity, uh, how is, how long is the furthest you've, uh, raced I did run a marathon four months you did I was gonna yep. ask you yeah. four months after Everett so okay sort of not under the best circumstances but <laughs> I had a blast and learned a ton about that race I really wanted to do it more so because I've been doing commentary on marathons and I felt like I was a hypocrite for getting up there and talking about it and not having gone through you know the pain and and pleasure of running 26.2 miles so it was really good for me because, you know, everyone talks about those last six miles and I put on about 15 minutes in the last six miles. <laughs> so it was an ugly, ugly last six miles. My first 20 were great. Um, and I'm just thankful I did it now because I can go on air and I can legitimately say I've run this. I've been through what a lot of people have been through and um, I've, I really enjoyed it. I think I'll do another one after this baby. So it's just the one you've done? Just one. Okay. And why was it at that point, like, was it just you wanted a challenge, something that you couldn't compare to? Or why was it, you think, four months after you decided a marathon? I think you kind of nailed it. You know, for one, I'm I'm used to training for 5K where, you know, people that have run 5Ks and but never really raced them don't quite understand the, the training that goes into running a really hard 5K on the track. And that's pretty brutal at times. You know, you got to be up for it. Not to say you don't have to be up for marathon training, but 
my marathon training was totally new to me. I had all these excuses, which is terrible to say, but I did. You know, I was breastfeeding Everett. I just had had him. I was running four days a week. I was traveling, doing all this stuff. So I had every excuse in the book, which is terrible to say, but was really (laughs) what my thoughts were um, for why that race didn't have to go perfect. And I could really have fun when I was racing and just enjoy it. And even though the last six miles were really ugly and really hard, I still enjoyed it for some Mm -hmm. screwed up Mm -hmm. way, you know, (laughs) but, um, I think that it was important for me to pick a different race because if I would have gone out and run a 5k at that moment, I might've run decently fast, but it wouldn't have been 1504 like I had run before. So I needed a totally different, you know, event and race and just enjoy something else besides seeing, you know, the training that I was doing and how it didn't match up to what I had done in the past. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's very good advice, especially, uh, would you say that, you know, you'd give that advice for someone coming back from a pregnancy or back from, you know, a serious injury to try something different. So you can't, you know, say, oh, I'm running this time when before I was running that time, whereas this is something completely new. Yeah, I had that opportunity to do something different. You know, I had never Mm -hmm. run that far. So that was nice for me. Some people have already done it. So I, the advice I would give to people that have to go back to racing the same events is just be confident enough in yourself and in the training to know the circumstances that you're under. And I've really appreciated watching a Dean, like Dina Castor, Kara Goucher, some of those ladies that not just because of their pregnancies, but to see them come back from injuries and to be where they're at and be okay with it. You know, when Kara came back and she ran 114 after having Colts, like three months after or something like that, crazy. Um, I was like, wow, she had, she's run 106 for the half marathon, but she was clearly happy with running 114 at that time. I'd be thrilled to run 114 <laughs> right now. Um, it won't happen. But I mean, she was eight minutes off of her PR, but she knew where she was at. She knew the circumstances and she was tough mentally to know mm-hmm. that. And you know, I don't think I had that in me at that time. So I had to pick a whole different event and have excuses, like I said, which is terrible to admit, but I'm human people. I have them. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, I think this is good because, you know, one of my quests in life is to prove that, you know, elite runners are still human at the end of the day. And kind of, I thought you could explain a little more about, you know, how relative it is. And, you know, like you said about Cara, like most people listening are probably saying, well, you know, I killed her run a 114, but like you said, it was eight minutes off her best. And um, so, you know, do you have any other thoughts on that topic about how, you know, you runners have to keep in mind that it's all relative. Yeah. Like if you're a 12 minute miler and you, you know, run a 10 minute mile, that's huge. And congratulations to you. You don't have to feel that slow just because it's, you know, it's compared, compared to someone else. Yeah, I think that you just, you have to stay within yourself. You know, we have the internet now. I didn't have the internet. Even in 2004, we had it. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't as it is now. And I think if you can just focus on yourself a little bit more and know that and be okay with your training and your progress, you will see so much more success in your your racing and in, in your training and whatever it is. If it's weight loss, you know, trying to run a fast time, trying to place so high in your age group, whatever it is, I think that you will be better off. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, for years we've talked about winning and losing, basically when you're an elite athlete and you have the opportunity to win, that's sort of the name of the game is to get to the finish line first. And as I've gotten older and as I've raced more athletes that are, whether they're world record holders or they're, 
you know, the best in the world at the time, or they're now, you have some of the best local elites. I have to know where I'm at in my own training and in my own life to know how to go into races. And that's been a really hard lesson, but a good lesson that I've learned over the years. Mm -hmm. Definitely. That is really good advice there. And I encourage people to, you know, listen and re-listen maybe to what Carrie's saying, because it it does make a lot of sense. Um, And then uh, let's kind of move on to, you know, what you're doing now and your website and everything. So see Tolly run uh how did that kind of come about and you know it's kind of unique I've never seen anything like it with your channel and everything but how did that get started well Julie Magnuson and John Magnuson sort of had an idea and they approached me and we we thought well let's go for it they wanted to do these video interviews blogs race highlights whatever it is and um so we sort of were just collaborating and I think that it started right when I learned I was pregnant with Ruby. And so they thought it'd be fun to talk about the journey coming back from having a baby. Mm-hmm. And then we sort of just sort of spread our wings and started doing other things because like I, I was straight with them. I said, you know, I don't know if this journey back is going to be that exciting because I don't know if I'm really excited about it. So then we started doing some other things and we have Tim, our cameraman and our editor and, it's, it's a small group, but we just absolutely love what we do, and we hope we can continue doing it. So we have, you know, all kinds of different various topics that we go through. We do a lot of race highlights and interviews with elites, and, you know, really the hard part is just finding a new topic every every week, and that's, but once we get it, we have a blast doing it. So I hope people can tune in and watch it and keep it going for us because, you know, it's been really fun for me to be able to share the elite side, but also the mom side and the and the regular runner side of things. And I think that people have appreciated that. Mm-hmm. And more and more, you're seeing that, you know, uh, I ho- hope people are kind of understanding that, you like you said, you know, there may be elites, there may be mom runners, there may be dad runners, there may be, you know, um, teenage runners, but everyone is out there doing the same thing. So it's great to kind of see, like you said, learn about different people's stories and yeah. where they've come from, where they're going. Yeah, and I try to give some, I'm not a personal trainer, but I've done a lot of training in my life. And so, um, you know, I give some fun workouts and I've had a lot of feedback and a lot of our best viewed videos are my five minute videos where Mm -hmm. I give ideas of how to do a circuit maybe where you do five minute abs, but then you can do it over and over again. And, you know, we just have fun trying to figure out how to keep people fit. And, you know, everyone likes to be ripped. Everyone likes to have muscle definition. We like to eat. So, you know, I just try to keep it real and, you know, tell people this is, I'm doing this workout so I can go and have fettuccine Alfredo tonight or whatever it may be. But, um, you know, I think that people need to hear that I run to eat more. I run to lose weight at times. I run to get really fast at times. I lift weights to help me. And, you know, I think that they've really enjoyed that. And my mom's friends watch it. My (laughs) mom watches it, but also some of my elite athletes use it with their teams that they coach now. And, so yeah, it's it's crazy to hear the the people that are watching it, but it's been really fun. Yeah, no, it's good. And uh, I will put a link to it at the show notes at hey. runnersconnect.net forward slash RC74. Or people can go directly, which is C Tolly T O L E T O L L E dot com. Or is it dot T O L L E R U N dot com. Oh run. Tollyrun.com. Okay. Yep. Um and so let's just kind of quickly, as you mentioned about food and eating, um, how was your diet while you were at your peak? Um, did you still have some treat foods or was yeah. it very strict and you were, you were, you know, on the straight and narrow? No, so, 
Um, you know, Dennis can attest to this. When you're from Minnesota, you like some good hearty foods. And, you know, the Dairy Queen is at it <laughs> on every corner. So I love my ice cream. Um, I've, I worked really hard physically. And I, I did think about what I was putting into my body. But I, I rewarded myself every day. <laughs> And I still do. So um, I love to eat healthy, but I also just really like to have good food. And um, so you, I think you'll look at my diet and say she's very normal, but there's not a lot of junk in it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I like to have a can of Coke or a can of pop. I don't know. I think you guys say pop, don't you, in Michigan? Uh, well, I don't really say any, in England we say, fizzy, England say fizzy drink, but okay. that, I've just so I'm completely out there. But yeah, I know yeah, there's yeah. pop and soda. I, I don't really know which one to use. <laughs> well, I ha- I say soda on the East Coast just to fit in, but um, <laughs> on the um, in the Midwest we say pop, and you know, so I will have some of that stuff, but in moderation yeah. as always. And yeah. um, I think the big thing for me was I ate what I liked because I I work hard and I thought that food is is, you know, one of those things in life where if you don't like what you're eating, it's not much fun to eat. So um, I wanted to make sure that I, I had things that I enjoyed and I still do that. No, I think I think that's good. And I, I mean, I'm sure listeners who have been listening for a while know that I, I definitely reward myself and have have probably a few too many sweets. But I think you're right that, you know, you've, you've still got to enjoy it. Although some people do seem to have the mindset of food is just fuel and to them they could eat you know, grilled chicken and potatoes every day and be fine. But I, I'm not one of those. It doesn't sound like you are either. So if, you know, if you do enjoy eating, let yourself eat some foods you want to eat. So. I wish I could eat and really enjoy healthy, healthy stuff all the time. But to me, it, it's not as much fun to, you know, have something really healthy versus having a big milkshake at night. You know, I'm sorry, <laughs> it's not. So every night when I was competing at that really high level, I had a uh, chocolate milkshake at uh, like 9.30 at night. And it, it really held me over till the next morning. But it wasn't a huge one. It was a little one, but I still I still had it every day. Yeah, no, I think that's good for people to hear that, you yeah. know, just like if you to be an Olympian, you don't have to, you know, just eat carrots, um, salads right. and past, plain pasta. Like it can't, you can have other things. So that's, that's good to know. Yeah. Um, and so you said you would like to run another marathon in the future. Um, and then are there any other distances or things you kind of plan on tackling in the future? Sure. You know, I would like to run a half, a good half marathon. I've never really run a really good half marathon. So you jumped straight from like what, 10 K to a marathon? Yeah, I did run, um, uh, I've run a half marathon here or there that are like seven minute pace, six thirty pace, but never raced one. Um, and I never really even raced race before the marathon. It was just long run every weekend, no racing really. Um, but I would like to do a half and I'd like to see if I can break 120 for that. Um, and I'd like to do a marathon and I was, I would like to break three hours. So, you know, it seems like, it seems in my mind that I could do that. But I, once you get out there and actually do the training, you realize how fast that really is. So oh, yeah. I ran 302 in my marathon and I was on pace to run under 250 until 20. <laughs> so it got ugly, like I said. But my training came around pretty fast in those 10 weeks. So I think if I could just have maybe an extra five or six more weeks of pounding mm-hmm. under me, I think I would have been able to handle the pace a little better. But we'll see. So definitely there will be one more marathon and, and a couple good half marathons, I think, in me. 
yeah that would be good to good to follow along and I'm sure everyone listening will kind of pay attention and um, I'm guessing that kind of helped you um, doing that with your commentating you know when it comes to you said earlier about you know knowing what that final six miles feel like and I think that's something that it is difficult to know you may think you'd be able to understand what it feels like but you can't and like you said until you do it but would you say as you are a former runner and you took it so seriously that it helps you be a better commentator because you see things that maybe others wouldn't or you're kind of more aware of what's going on I think so I mean there's times where you take that stuff for granted like just going through the motions I mean I've done it since I was 12 years old and there are times when it's really nice, like, for instance, I was just on ESPN with John Anderson, who was a high jumper in his day, has run the marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I learned from him and his experience through the marathon, but also having a guy like that who sort of knows the sport, but wants to know a little bit more about the elite side, having his questions, was they were so nice to be able to just have that conversation with him and be reminded about all the things that I take for granted or I just do naturally because I've done it for so long that not everyone gets that, you know, not everyone gets the inside scoop of how you become a really fast elite athlete. And for me now to look at some of the athletes times that they've been running, to see Shalane running so well at every distance, I really can appreciate that now because I have run these other distances and especially without sounding, you know, cocky, I know I'm talented. Yeah. Um, but to know that I have the talent to run pretty fast, but to see how fast she actually runs mm-hmm. is an eye opener. Oh yeah. And I'm glad that I finally have run that marathon and I've hurt that bad running three hours. Now how bad is she hurting running two hours and twenty one minutes? Oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's been really fun. And it's been fun for me to try to relay that to the, the general public as well. Because I don't know if they fully understand how talented of an athlete we have here in the States with Shalane Flanagan and others like mm-hmm. her. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I think you're a great, like, intermediary, you know, but you're also showing that it's not explaining that Shalane, it's not just like a walk in the park for her. She's still working very hard and, you know, putting in, it's not just talent, it is other factors too. Yeah, it's not just genetics, even though she has some amazing genetics. Yeah. No, that girl has to, she's got to dig deep in Uh in practice and in that race, so... Um, it's gonna be fun to watch her in 2016 yeah definitely without a doubt and then one more question Uh, I have one other question which I'll always ask but um, just a thing I'm curious about you've traveled all over the U.S. and the world but what was your favorite place that you went to you know I loved racing in Japan I absolutely loved it Um, we have some really good Japanese friends of ours and when I was over there it just felt like I was with my Japanese family and I thought it was a beautiful country they were so kind Um, I loved racing all over Europe as well I, you know, I have a little bit more of knowledge with the Europeans and, and just with, you know, knowing what their, con- the country is like and the, their different countries, I should say, are like over there. But once I finally got there, I loved it. I loved Stockholm because I felt like I saw my mom everywhere. <laughs> um, you know, all these blondes, blue eyed, uh, <laughs> even though I am not, I am not from there. I'm Norwegian, but it just felt like home kind mm-hmm. of, um, but, you know, to be honest, and it sounds cheesy, but I love running in Minnesota. We oh. have some amazing trails. Yes, our weather can get really ugly for three to four weeks in the winter. Um, but we have a great trail system here in the Twin Cities. And, you know, everywhere that I've traveled in the States, at least, I haven't quite found that. In Europe, I found a couple places that are pretty nice. But um, I'm pretty lucky to be from this state and to have the trails we have here. 
you and Dennis are gonna are you like starting a little petition here I know the whole U.S. move into Minnesota hey I'm telling you if you run here you'll be especially in the Twin Cities you'll be like this is a really cool place to train in such a you know metropolitan area I mean it's really nice so yeah yeah we are pretty lucky some of the things he was talking about sounded awesome. Like they, yeah. they truly planned things thinking with the runner in mind rather than just, oh, let's plop this here and then right. runners can do what they want with it. So yeah, and cycling too. I mean, we have, you know, one of the best commuting um, cities in the country for cyclists. So oh, great. yeah, it's, it's just fun to be around here, yeah. but I've loved traveling. That's been one of the perks of the job is being able to go all over the world and race the the world's best but also just to see the world as a distance runner you get to see a lot because it's the best sightseeing is going on a run yeah yeah traveling the cities in america so you would encourage anyone listening right now to go to some destination marathons or other races to you know as a vacation or whatever i think so i mean i would recommend them doing their race early on so they could really enjoy the city afterwards but you know, it's that my husband and I, anytime we go anywhere, I mean, we always want to make sure we can run there. And it's a pretty big bummer if you can't. So mm-hmm. I think that that's been a, a really nice perk being a distance athlete is being able to just get, put my shoes on and head out and see the city that way. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's great. And really cool that you've shared it with us. So do you have your one word that you would like to become, accomplish or achieve? Oh, one word, man. <laughs> driven I guess Love that. I want to stay driven my entire life and this running world has you know shown me that I am a driven individual but now that it's slowly coming to an end did I just say that is it coming it's not coming to an end <laughs> but you know what I mean um, I want to stay driven in life I don't want just this elite athlete status to be the only thing that drives me I want to have find passion in other areas of life that continues to make me see what I'm made of and and you know get after it yeah, you, well, you seem to be doing a good job at that so far, and um, I'm sure everyone will enjoy checking in. If you haven't got to know Carrie before, you definitely should check her out. And uh, is the best place to find you on the website or yep. a preferred social media channel? Or I'd say See Tally Run is the best. We haven't really used Carrie Tullison a ton. We you can you can always contact me through See Tally Run or even my website CarrieTullison.com. But um, that's pretty, that's the best one. Julie Magnuson does a lot of our social media and she's awesome at it. I am not so good at that, <laughs> but, um, you know, anytime anyone has any question, no matter what it is, just feel free to email me and I'll get right back to you. Okay, great. Thank you so much. And I appreciate your time, uh, Carrie and best of luck with the rest of the pregnancy and hope everything goes well. Um, and look forward to seeing you in that, uh, come back in the marathon after the pregnancy. <laughs> Thank you so much. Good luck to you too. I'm jealous. You're so fit and fast right now. So enjoy it. Working on it. <laughs> Thank you. And there you go. Another interview done and another great person to talk to. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed talking to Carrie. I know I did. And I can see why she's such a big hit online. Be sure to check out her weekly show. You're going to love it. Thank you so much again for taking the time to listen. And if you have not already, I would love if you could subscribe via iTunes or however you listen. And if you have any suggestions or guests you would like to hear from, don't hesitate to email me, tina at runnersconnect.net. Until next time, have a great week.